All right, well, let's take our Bibles and turn to two places, to Hebrews 11 and then also Genesis 22. You want to keep your Bibles handy. We're going to look at a lot of Scripture this morning, so I'm going to move quickly. I'll not do much review at all. From We're looking at lessons of faith, specifically the life of Abraham. Uh, we looked at the last couple of weeks, and um, got one final part of that we we'll to look at, and it's a little bit involved, so we'll look at a lot of Scripture. And uh, um, I do record all of these, so if you missed one of the lessons on my personal website, pulpitaflame.com, go into the media section to the podcasts, and they're all there. The one from last week we'll post this afternoon, and uh, sometimes it helps to go back and listen to those. All right, Hebrews chapter 11. We'll look at verses 1 through 3. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. This, of course, is God's doctrinal statement on what faith is. I like it when the Bible defines itself. Amen? I said last week, people ask, what's your favorite Bible dictionary? The King James Bible. It defines itself. Look at context. Um, we've been also reading Romans 1.17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. We've been looking at different characters that God mentions in this chapter and their characteristics of faith that we can look at and see how it applies to us. And uh, so we, we've been looking the last couple of weeks in verses 17 through 19. We'll go ahead and read those. We'll pray and jump right into the thoughts for this morning. Uh, here in, in Hebrews 11, verses number 17 to 19, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Uh, did I tell you to put a marker in Genesis 22? Okay, I, I thought I did, but sometimes I think of things and don't say it, you know. But anyway, let's pray and we'll jump right into the thoughts. Father, help us as we study, as we look at your word and just see how consistent you are. Thank you for the wonderful time of year we're in now with, with Christmas, when even a pagan world has to stop and admit that you kept your promise and sent the Messiah you promised in Genesis 3 and 15, and that because of his coming, we have eternal life. I pray you'd help us as we look at this passage this morning. May you open the scriptures to us in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been looking at the life of Abraham, how that uh, in him we, we saw that he took steps of faith. He had saving faith. We're going to look at that in detail this morning. Then he had times where God required of him to go beyond just getting saved. That he had to take steps of faith that caused him to follow God. Uh, we saw that his faith was tested. You and I will face testing of our, te of our faith. We saw that faith requires sacrifice. And we looked at that last week. We'll look at it again this morning. And that our faith must be built upon the promises of God. Everything that Abraham did was because of what God promised him. This morning we're going to look at a thought we just barely touched it last week, that our faith must focus on Jesus. He is the, the author and finisher of our faith, Hebrews tells us. Look at again at verse number 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, that he... That he that had, and he that had received the promises offered up his only 
begotten Son. In chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. We, like Abraham, must understand our faith is not in a religious system. I don't trust religion. Religion will take you straight to hell. Our faith is not in a church. So thank God for the local church. That's his design for this age. Amen? The local church. Our faith is not in a human being. Aren't you glad we don't have to go to some earthly priest or a pope or a pastor? I, I often say there's no peace in the priest. There's no hope in the pope. All you need is Jesus. Amen? That's where our faith is. It's in Jesus Christ. Abraham's faith was in Jesus Christ the only begotten Son of God. The Bible's very clear about that. Um, keep your place here in Hebrews, but jump over to, to the book of Romans, chapter number 4. We looked at these verses a few weeks ago. I think it was last Sunday we actually we touched on these. Romans 4, look at verse number 2. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? That's a good question to ask on anything that somebody says they believe. What saith the Scripture? What does the Bible say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. So we see that, that faith uh, is, is, a big, is the matter of salvation. It's by grace through faith, I mean that we're saved. It's not anything we can work for. Abraham believed God, and it was counted him for righteousness. He had God's righteousness imputed unto him. But how did that happen? Abraham was saved by faith, just like you and I are saved by faith. Amen. What is faith? Faith is when you say, I believe. What do you believe? I believe in Jesus. What do you believe about Jesus. Just saying you believe in Jesus will not take you to heaven. The Mormons believe in Jesus. They do. They carry King James Bible. They don't believe in the same Jesus we do. Uh, the, the, the Muslims will say they believe in Jesus, but not the same Jesus of the Bible. All right? Go to Matthew chapter 16. If you will, Matthew 16 will begin in verse number 13. What you believe about Jesus will determine where you spend your eternity. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, others, and some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. You see, the, the thing that was different from what the disciples believed and what the world believed was that they believed Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the one that was promised in Genesis 3.15. He is the one to redeem us from our sin. And Jesus said, uh, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. 
You didn't get that from any man. Uh, the Father revealed that to him. Isn't it interesting? In context, uh, that's where verse 18 comes in. Uh, and I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Catholics say, well, see, that means he is the foundation of the church. No, you got it wrong. Peter means a little stone. No, Jesus is the rock. What's the rock that Jesus is talking about? Upon this rock, I will build my church. The statement in verse 16, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. What is the rock, the foundation of everything we believe? Jesus is God in the flesh. He came, was born of a virgin, lived a perfect sinless life, died vicariously for us on the cross, took our sin upon him. He suffered for our sins. He died, was buried, and then rose again for our justification. That's the foundation. It's interesting. Go to to the book of Acts, chapter 8. I told you we're going to use our Bibles. So Romans 8, maybe we'll do Bible drill style. That's it. Romans 8. I love this chapter. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. My life verses in this one. We'll actually start with that. Verse number 35. Of course, this is the story of, oh, we start at verse 34. When uh, Philip goes to the eunuch, who is Ethiopian eunuch, he's coming back from Jerusalem. He's reading Isaiah 53 while he's riding in his chariot. Verse number 34 uh, of Acts 8. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth, and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Which look very carefully, verse number 37. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It is interesting in the NIV. That part of the verse is missing. It's not there. What did he believe? He believed that Isaiah 53 was talking about Jesus being the Son of God. That's what you have to believe to go to heaven. Amen? And so he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He commanded the church to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So... Here we see a sincere Jewish proselyte, an Ethiopian eunuch, wanting to know the truth of Jewish scripture. And what did Philip show him? That that Jewish scripture was talking about a Messiah named Jesus who would come, die on the cross, be buried, and raise again for our sins. What was the content of Abraham's faith? Well, let's go back to Genesis. Um, Actually, let's uh, go back to Romans 4. I'll, I'll just read one verse for you, Genesis Genesis 15 is the verse that's, that's referred to in Romans 4. So go back to Romans 4. In Genesis 15, 6, the Bible says, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted to him for righteousness. Romans 4, 1, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. But what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. What was the content of his faith? Abraham knew it was not of works. There was nothing Abraham could physically do to get him into heaven. 
He believed it was in the Son. It had all to do, uh, all about what he believed about the Son of God. Go to John chapter 8. John 8. These are some of my favorite parts of Scripture here. Romans, I'm sorry, John 8. We'll begin in verse number 52, and we'll read down to verse number 59. Then said the Jews unto him, We know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and thou sayest, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead. Whom makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. And I know, but I know him and keep his saying. You wonder why the Jews didn't like him? <laughs> Especially these Pharisees. Verse number 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it. And was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old. Hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. He used the Old Testament name of God. I am. And they took up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, so he passed by. <clears throat> Here the Jews were, were, were accusing Jesus, and they said, Are you greater than Abraham? And he said, I was before Abraham. And Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he did. And, and then they asked him, well, you're not 50 years old. You know, when have you seen Abraham? And he said, before Abraham was, I am. He used those words on purpose. So they, he, he was saying, I am the God that Abraham worshipped. I am the one that he had faith in. Uh, he said there again, look at verse number 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. When did Abraham see Jesus' day? I'm glad you asked. Let's go to Genesis 22. One of the greatest chapters, I think, in all the Bible. Just beautiful pictures of the Son of God. For every New Testament doctrine, there is an Old Testament illustration. I love illustrations in sermons. Those are the stories that capture your attention, that make it personal. Well, God... He gives us lots of stories in the Old Testament why to illustrate the truth he's trying to teach us. Genesis 22, we'll begin in verse number 1. We'll read down to about verse 18 or so. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. And said to him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto the, his young men, Abide ye here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Well that's faith right there. He knew what he was getting ready to do. He said, we're going to go up, but we're coming back together. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. It's a picture of Jesus having the cross upon him, carrying it up Calvary. Amen? 
And it says that uh, he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac said unto Abraham his father, or speaking to Abraham his father, and said, My father? And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? That's a good question. You see, this was not the first time Abraham and Isaac had offered sacrifices together. This was a normal routine. Isaac had done this many times, no doubt, through his life. Look at verse number 8, the way God words the answer. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. He didn't say, will provide for himself a lamb. He said he would provide himself a lamb. He is the lamb. Amen? I love our Bible. Amen? And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him upon the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything to him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the, the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, that in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. We'll continue reading through verse 18. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time, and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. When did Abraham see Jesus' day? Right here. Notice he says there, as he's offering his son, for, he's got his son on the altar. He's got the knife ready to slay him, and God speaks from heaven. It says, the angel of the Lord. And we understand that's Jesus speaking to him. We know that because verse number 15, or verse number 12, and he said, lay not thy hand upon the lad. This is the angel speaking to him. Neither do thou anything unto him, for now, I, for now I know that thou fearest God, and seest thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. He wasn't sacrificing to an angel. He was sacrificing to God. He understood who was speaking to him. This angel was a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus, speaking to him. But notice what it says in verse number 13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Abraham saw a ram. What's a ram? That's a male sheep. And where was it? It was caught with its head, its horns, caught in a thorn thicket. Well, just a few centuries later, there was going to be a male lamb, the lamb of God, with a crown of thorns, his head caught in a crown of thorns. 
say, oh, that's just kind of symbolism. But wait a minute. If you go to where Abraham made this sacrifice and you lift up your eyes, do you know what you see? Mount Calvary. I believe God kind of pulled back the curtain and said, Abraham, let me explain to you the picture that's going on today. Your son is being offered as your only begotten son. Well, that's a picture of my son that will come and offer himself. What a beautiful picture of Christ, the Lamb of God, with his head in a crown of thorns, dying for our sin. He was told, notice there, that in uh, the world would be blessed by his seed. This latter part here, verses 15 to 18, or the Abrahamic covenant. This is what God promises to Abraham. To understand the depth of Abraham's faith, we must understand the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, You're there in Genesis. Go back 10 chapters to chapter 12. We'll read just a few verses here, then I'll make some application. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, Unto a land that I will show thee. I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and will curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham depart, or Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Verse number 7, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there he built an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Most people when they they talk about the Abrahamic covenant or the promise God made to Abraham, they believe simply that God would multiply his race and make the, the nation huge and give him that land. God promised him way more than that. Back to Genesis 22. We'll look specifically at what God promised him. What was the blessing that God said, In thee shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Genesis 22, verse 18. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Some would take that to mean, well, that just means that the nation of Israel would bless everyone. No, it means way more than that. You've got to go to the New Testament to find the answer. Go to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter number 3. What did God mean when he said, In thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed? Galatians chapter 3, verse number 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth and crucified among you? This only would I learn of you, receive ye the, the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? You understand what's going on in Galatians. They had been taught by these false teachers who came in after Paul that they had to keep the law to keep their salvation. And he was saying, no, you didn't get saved by keeping the law. You don't stay saved by keeping the law. It's by grace through faith. He says, verse 4, have you suffered so long, I'm sorry, suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doth he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Verse 6, even as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. That's what Romans 4 was talking about. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, 
preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which are be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. It says there he, that, that we would be blessed. How? Uh, I'm sorry, verse number eight. Foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham. Here the Bible clearly says that the gospel was preached to Abraham. Uh, go down to chapter 3, verse number 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not to seeds as of many, but as of one, to thy seed which is Christ. What was the promise made to Abraham? How would he bless the all nations of the earth? Because his seed, speaking of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the sacrifice for sin. That's how all nations would be blessed in Abraham. The seed was Christ. Abraham knew that his son Isaac was a picture of the Messiah that would one day come. And by the way, had there been no Isaac, there could have been no Messiah. Had to come through Abraham's son, through Sarah. Go back to Hebrews 11, I will make some application. Hebrews 11, verse 17. We'll read those three verses again. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Notice this, from whence also he received him in a figure. Notice it was his only begotten son. What does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I'm glad it's not his one and only son. Because according to John 1.12, I'm a son of God. Because I put my faith in him. No, there was only one begotten son. Only one virgin born son of God. His name is Jesus Christ. He received him in a figure. He knew his son Isaac was a picture of Jesus Christ. You see, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Abraham so loved God that he was willing to give his only begotten son. What was the content of Abraham's faith? He knew salvation was not of works. He believed in the son and he believed in the resurrection. Look back there at Hebrews 11. Now remember, he went up to slay his son. He had counted on that. Remember back in Genesis 22, he said, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and will return again. Abraham intended to kill his son. In his mind, it was already done. I'm going to kill my son. But God made me a promise of a seed, the Messiah, through my son. My son's not yet married. Genesis 22 is when he was sacrificed. Genesis 24 is when he gets the bride. He's not married to Rebecca until uh, to, to chapter um, uh, 24. What happened? He believed God that if his son died, he'd be raised again. Look at verse 19 of, Genesis, uh, of Hebrews 11 accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Once also he received him, the figure said, I'm going to go sacrifice my son, I'm going to kill him, but God has to raise him from the dead to keep his promise, and I know that my son is a picture of God's son. Who will what? Who will die and raise again. The resurrection. Um, remember our verse in Galatians 3, 3.8, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the, 
before the gospel to Abraham, saying, These shall all nations be blessed. The gospel was preached unto Abraham. Well, we know from, Gen- from Galatians 1, there's only one gospel. If you preach any other gospel, Paul says, let him be accursed. Literally means sent to hell. He said, if I were an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel. So what's the gospel? Well, that's over in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Turn there quickly. We'll tie the pieces together. What was the gospel? What is the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also have you received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. So whatever gospel he's getting ready to define, preacher, it's the only one that saves. Amen. Amen. If ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also received, how that Christ died for your sins. Read the next uh, four words with me. According to the Scriptures. Notice what he says in verse number four. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. Read the next four words. According to the Scriptures. What's the gospel? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, That's why I look at church tracts. I look to see if the gospel's in it. I am shocked how many independent Baptist churches have a gospel with no resurrection in it. They'll go to Romans, but they'll leave out Romans 10, 9, and 10. They'll go from Romans 5, 8 and jump all the way to Romans 10, 13 and never tell anybody that Jesus rose from the dead. If he didn't raise, we have no faith. We're on our way to hell, Corinthians says. That really hit me once when I was in Bible college. I was witnessing to a man, and I got in a hurry. And I started going through the plan of salvation, and I skipped. Talk about the resurrection. I'm talking about Jesus died for our sins, Romans 5, 8. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for our sins. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said, would you like to call upon Jesus and ask you to save you? He said, why would I call on a dead man? Oh, I didn't tell you. He rose from the dead. I had to go back to some scripture. So what is the gospel? It's the death, the burial, and resurrection. Well, Hebrews 4.2 says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, meaning Old Testament. By the way, when he said that he died according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. What Scripture was he talking about? Old Testament Scripture. So Abraham believed the gospel. It says in Acts 10.43, good reference to write down, to him, talk about Jesus, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Now, how can they believe in a sacrifice that was not yet made? You and I, we look back and we look back to Calvary and we say, okay, we know from the scriptures, Jesus came, he was perfect, he was sinless, born of a virgin. He died on a cross, he was buried and he rose again. I trust him for salvation because I'm looking back to the cross. How could they in the Old Testament believe the same thing? Because the cross hadn't happened yet. Well, take your Bibles, go to Revelation chapter 13. The Bible has the answer. Revelation 13, verse number 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are... are, are not written in the book of the a book of life of the Lamb. Notice this, slain from the foundation of the world. You and I look back to Calvary and believe because of what we've seen from the Scriptures. 
We struggle with, well, what do the Old Testament saints do? And he hadn't, he hadn't died yet. Revelation tells us, before the foundation of the world, before God said, let there be light, he had already determined Christ was going to die for sin. Before he ever took his hands and took the dust to the earth and formed it into the shape of something that looked like a man and then breathed in his nostrils the breath of life and Adam became a living soul, before that, God had already determined my son, the Lamb of God, will die for sin and be buried and raised again. You see, in the mind of God, Calvary happened before the earth was created. Why? Because that was God's plan. How would the Old Testament saints say? Well, how was Abraham saved? Because he believed in the Son of God, the Messiah, who would be the sacrifice for our sins. It's interesting, Job, they believe the, the oldest book in the Bible, uh, believed in the millennium. He preached about the reigning of Jesus Christ when he reigns here on the earth. Enoch preached about the second coming of Christ. Uh, talk about him coming with ten thousands of his saints. That's us coming with him. Amen. What was that? Old Testament. If they were to trust and believe in the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the Messiah who would come and die for their sins and be raised again, they could be saved. How did Abraham get saved? The exact same way you and I got saved. He believed in the Son of God who was perfect and sinless and he put his faith in him, believed that he would die, be buried and raised again. When God told Abraham to kill Isaac, he said, I know my son's a picture of the Messiah, so if I kill him, God's got to raise him up because that's what he's going to do to the Messiah. Why isn't it wonderful that your Bible is so perfect? How did Abraham get saved? Exactly the way that you and I got saved. That's why Abraham could obey the way he did. He knew the one he was obeying was trustworthy. He was worthy of his faith. He said, what's the application of that? Let's take that truth of that gospel. Let's tell somebody about it. I love the Christmas season. You know what? Even people that don't believe what we believe stop to think about Jesus Christ who came to earth. They're expecting you to witness to them. Don't miss the opportunity. They're expecting you to talk about the Lamb of God. Last week, uh, Rhonda and Sarah and I, we went to a play downtown. We went to the Charlie Brown Christmas. So why'd you do that? Because in the middle of that thing, they quote from the King James Bible, Luke chapter 2, and tell you what the Christmas is all about, the God sending His Son to be the Savior Amen. of the world. They're expecting you to tell you about him, for you to tell them about Him. Don't miss the opportunity. When your families gather, give them the gospel. Amen. Tell them this is why we celebrate Christmas, not because of the presence, but because of the gift of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the gospel that is so clear to us. Thank you that Abraham saw the gospel and believed it and was saved. May we share that same truth with others. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.